Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam. I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We are actually in the subject of the call of God. And uh, yesterday we started talking about the ministry of the evangelist. We are in the fivefold ministry gifts right now. And I shall continue with that thought. Now, I we were reading from... Uh, from uh, John chapter 4 about the ministry of the evangelist and I was talking about how Jesus met the woman the woman from Samaria and how he ministered to her this is you know uh, and I I was into that but I'll repeat a couple of thoughts that that I had yesterday and continue from there and this is interesting because when Jesus said spoken to the woman the woman from Samaria and he had words of knowledge about her situation about her life and so what happened is that uh, she ran to the city and told everybody that come in verse 29 come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ she believed that he was the Christ he was the Messiah and then it says then they went out of the city and came unto him. That means that the people of Samaria, of Sychar, the city there, they came running out to see Jesus. And at the same time, around the same time, his disciples who had gone away to fetch food, they came to him and they said, Master, please eat. We have some food here. And Jesus said to them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. That means I have food that you have no idea about. And so the disciples said to one another, because they were thinking in the natural, and they said, has any man brought him food to eat? And so Jesus said unto them in verse 34, my meat or my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. Now, this is powerful. So they were asking Jesus because, you know, when they left Jesus, he had been hungry like they were hungry. So <coughs> I'm sorry. So they had gone to get him some food and they came with the food and they said, Lord, come and eat. And the Lord said that I have food to eat that you don't know of. And so they said, Lord, what food is it? And then they said, and Jesus said, my food and my drink, that is my meat, as he says here, is to, do the, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, my food and my drink, that means that which uh, uh, I live by, that which sustains me is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. And in this case, what he meant was that uh, the will of the Father was for him to win souls and to finish his work. So Jesus, for Jesus, his meat, his food and his drink, that which he lived off, that which he sustained himself from was to win souls. So that is powerful. Jesus was all about souls. He was all about people. And he meets this uh, Samaritan woman and uh, he goes out of his way and begins to talk to her. Now, this is interesting because Jesus 
He went for the multitudes, but he also went for the individual. He loved and cared for the multitudes. There were times when great multitudes would come to him and he would preach to them and he would teach them. And the Bible says, like we read in the end of the ninth chapter of Matthew, when he saw the multitudes, he said, it says that his heart was moved with compassion because there were sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus had compassion on the multitudes, but he also had compassion on the individual. So here in this case, it's not the multitude, but it's an individual and not just an individual. This was a person who was not even an Israelite, not even one of his own people. And he went out of his way to reach out to her. And he told his disciples, he said that my food and my drink, that which I live off, that which uh, is my sustenance, is to win souls, is to do the will of my father. And in this case, his father's will, he meant, was to win this woman, was to reach her and teach, uh, was to touch her. So it is God's will to save souls. It is God's will to touch sinners. And for us who are called to uh, this ministry of reconciliation, as we call it, to tell other people about Jesus, to go and to preach the gospel to people and to tell them that Jesus Christ died for you. It is our sustenance. It is what we live off. This is our food and our drink. It is to win souls for Jesus. That is what we live off. Hallelujah. So Jesus, <coughs> so for Jesus, his food and his drink was to win souls. So how much isn't it our food and our drink and our sustenance and what we live off to win souls for him? Then it says, uh, he says, so don't say there are four months and then cometh harvest. And that, that was an old Jewish saying, uh, four months and then cometh the harvest. That means that there is no hurry in getting the job done. It can wait until tomorrow. But Jesus said, don't say that there's no hurry, uh, that there's no hurry to get the job done. He said, I say unto you, if you lift up your eyes and you look on the fields, you will see that they are white or ready to harvest. Don't say that it's, it'll be some time. He says, no, but right now is the time. Because if you lift up your eyes and you look on the fields, you will find that the fields are white and they're ready to harvest. And he said, he that reapeth receive wages. So, and, uh, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Now this is, this means that, that he who reaps, that is he who wins souls, where other people have sown. That's what he's talking about. Other people have sown. And another place, Jesus said that other people have, uh, in verse 38, he said, I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you were entered, entered into that labor. So what has happened is that other people have sown and we going to reap. And when we reap, we receive wages and we receive rewards. So, and when that happens, both those who have sown and we who reap, we shall rejoice together because 
the person who has sown, even what he has sown doesn't come to its fullness unless we go and reap. So he says, when we reap, we receive rewards from God. So when we win souls for Jesus, we receive rewards. But at the same time, those rewards are also released to those who have sown before us. Praise God. And then he says, um, and then verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of this woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. It says many, many of the people of Samaria, many, we don't know how many, but it seems to me there were many, I mean, tons of people of that city. They believed on in Jesus because of the testimony of that woman, one woman. Can you imagine how many people have come to the Lord because of the testimony of other people? That is why <coughs> we should always testify, always share with people of the things that God has done for us and of the things that we have seen God do for other people. Anytime God does something for us or God does something for other people, it is important that we testify of those things because many people in that city, they believed in Jesus because of the testimony of that one woman who basically her testimony was this, that this man, he knows everything that I have ever done. Then it says, verse 40, so when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would carry with them. That means the Samaritan said, oh, Jesus, wouldn't you stay with us a few days? So he says that so he abode there two days. He stayed two days with those people. And then he says when he was there those two days, many more believed because of his own word. Many more believed in him. That means he was there and I'm sure he ministered to the people. He shared with them and many, many more people believed because of his word. And said unto the woman, then, then they said to this woman, says, now we believe, not because of your saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. So they believed and they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of your testimony, but we have seen it ourselves and we know for sure that this is Christ, the this, uh, you know, the savior of the whole world. Now, so there was a great move of God in that city because Jesus had been there and he had ministered there. Can you imagine? Jesus had been there. He had shaken the whole city and all those people believed in him. Now look what happens 10 years after that. 10 years. Historically, I mean, chronologically, 10 years had elapsed, elapsed from John 4, to Acts chapter 8, okay? 10 years after, after that. In Acts 8, 5 to 12. And Philip, now Philip was the evangelist we read about. In fact, Philip was one of the deacons. And remember in Acts chapter 6, uh, because you had the Greek widows and the Hebrew widows, the Greek widows were not uh, taken care of properly when the food uh, for the widows and the orphans was being handed out and they complained. And the apostles, they said, choose seven men of good report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of, the, full of wisdom, and so that they can tell take care of this task so that we as apostles can give ourselves to the word and to prayer. So what had happened is that they had, what had happened is that they had chosen seven men of good report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, 
to take care of the task of feeding the widows and the orphans. And they were known as deacon. Deacon, a diaconos, is a person who takes care of, um, how do you say, humanitarian needs in the church. That's what it was. They were waiting on tables. So one of them was Stephen, who was the first martyr of the church, and Philip was one of them. But God used Philip. And so from being a deacon, Philip had become an evangelist. And we read about him in the book of Acts that he, he, was, he was known as Philip, Philip the evangelist and he had four daughters who used to prophesy. So we know that much about Philip. So Philip was an evangelist and this is 10 years after Christ uh, had been to Samaria. And it says in Acts chapter 8, from starting from verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The evangelist has basically one message. He preaches Christ. As I said, let me repeat that. The evangelist has only one message. And his message is Christ crucified and risen. He has one message, Jesus Christ. So Philip went to the Samaria, to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So the people, all of the people, they listened to what, what Philip said. In, in other words, he preached Christ and they gave attention and listened to him preaching Christ. That means they listened to the gospel message. So the people gave heed to Philip and listened to the gospel message. And it tells us why. Because they heard and they saw the miracles which he did. You see, miracles get people's attention. We have huge crowds come to our crusades in Africa and Asia. And it's mainly because of one thing, the miracles. Miracles are God's business card or God's calling card. Miracles are God's dinner bell. Miracles show us that Jesus Christ is alive because only a living Christ can do miracles. A dead Christ cannot do miracles. That's the first thing that miracles show us. The second thing miracles show us is that miracles are God's stamp of approval, his seal of approval, and his confirmation of the message being preached. So miracles are God's con con uh, God, are signs from God confirming the gospel message. So that's why miracles are so important in the evangelistic ministry. Every evangelist should have signs, wonders, and miracles follow his ministry because miracles attest to the fact that the gospel message is of God. That's what miracles do. They point to Jesus. Miracles never point to a man. Miracles point to Jesus and miracles tell everybody that the gospel message is true. So that is why when Philip went there, he did things in the biblical pattern because that's what Jesus had done. He preached the gospel and there were miracles. That's how Philip had seen the apostles do. They preached the gospel and signs, wonders and miracles followed the gospel message. So Philip, he preached the gospel and he preached Christ and miracles followed his message. And the people gave heed. That means they listened intently to what people had to see 
because of the miracle that they saw. Then it tells us uh, what the miracles were for unclean spirits. That means demons crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies. That means people were paralyzed and many that were lame. People who could not walk were healed. That means as Paul, as Philip preached the gospel message, it says demons began to come out of the people screaming and many were possessed by demons were set free and people who were paralyzed and people who were lame, they were healed and they began to walk and there was great joy in that city. Praise God. You know, that is the way the gospel shall be preached. I was um, I was in a city in Asia with very, very few Christians not long ago. I mean, but you know, thousands of people came out and they, we saw blind eyes open, deaf ears open, lame people getting up and walking. People who were mentally insane and deranged being completely delivered. God was doing miracles. And as this was happening, people came. Oh my goodness, people came from all over the place. People rented cars and trucks and buses and filled them with people and came from hours away. People came from four, five, six hours away because they were hearing of the things that miracle uh, and the miracles that God was doing. People brought them out of hospitals. Hospital patients were came. And one Lutheran bishop, he said to me, he said they had put all the crippled people on one side. He said that uh, when the power of God came, the entire area where those crippled people were healed, he said there was a hospital that had sent all their patients. And this is what he said. These are the words of the bishop. He says that the hospital was emptied. Hospital was emptied because all the patients had been healed. Lame people walked, blind people saw. You see, beloved, that is the, uh, is the apostolic pattern, the biblical pattern of how the gospel shall be preached. We should always expect that God is going to confirm his word with signs falling. Anyway, it says there was great joy in the city. When all these miracles happened, of course, there's going to be great joy in the city. This is verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simeon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. So, uh, <coughs> so there was this man called Simeon there, and he was into witchcraft, and he had great control over the people. And, and he says, all these people used to look up to this witch doctor, Simeon, the sorcerer, the magician, and they believed that he had the power of God. And it says, because he had bewitched them with his magic, his, through his magic, he had controlled them, he had mesmerized them. But he says, but when they believed Philip, teaching the, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both when men and women. So it says when those people, they heard Philip preach the gospel and saw the miracles, it says they and they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom, kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized both men and women. So there was a revival now. So what happens is that Philip, uh, Jesus had been to Samaria and uh, 10 years later, Philip comes there. 
Now, I want you to ponder this. We are talking about Jesus, not an ordinary man, not an ordinary preacher. Jesus had been to Samaria and there was a great move of God. And there were, I mean, huge multitudes of people who believed in him. And there was a move of God in the city. And yet 10 years later, when Philip come back, comes back to Samaria, what he sees is that uh, he didn't see any believers there. What happened? And there was a man called Simon, who was a sorcerer, a witch doctor, a magician who had control over the people. So, you know, when I first read this, I was thinking, where was the fruit from the time that Jesus had preached there? Jesus has preached there. There were many miracles. There were many people who had believed in him. And yet only 10 years later, when Philip the evangelist was there, there seemed to be, I mean, the place was as barren spiritually as you can imagine. There were no believers there. What had happened to the people? Well, let me tell you one thing. There's several things. Firstly, just because there are miracles and there's a great move of God, it doesn't mean that people will survive spiritually unless they are taught and they are discipled. And that is why Jesus told us that we must preach the gospel and we must make disciples. So just because there are sinners who see miracles and they respond to the gospel message and they give their lives to the Lord and they decide to follow the Lord. Now, there are people who get saved that way who survived. I mean, there are those who do, but most people do not. Most people need a very proactive uh, a set of actions from uh, from those who preach to them. Uh, we have to, we can't just wait for them to come to us. We have to reach out to them and disciple them and teach them how to walk with Jesus. That's, that's the first thing I get out of this. The second thing I get out of this is that who knows what happened in those 10 years. Like I work in Africa and in sub-Saharan Africa, I don't know the figures today, but some time ago, the figures were the life expectancy, like in Sweden, I know it's 80, I think 88 years or 89 years is the life expectancy. I could, I could be a little bit off, but it's around that. That means the average person lives to be that age in Sweden. People live to be very old because though you know the way the government takes care of the elderly and the medical the medical facilities that are available there now in sub-saharan africa that means south of the sahara the age expectancy average is 37 years it's because of all the diseases aids and lack of medical facilities and it's sad but that's the average age so when I go and preach in Africa, which I've been doing for 33 years, the first thing I notice is that there are very few elderly people. I do see them, but there's actually very, very, very few elderly people just because people just don't live that long. People die early. Second thing is that when I go to a city and I go back there, say, eight years later, 10 years later, it's a total turnover because People uh, have, uh, have grown up, they have died, uh, and then there's young people who become adults, and then there are 
like I went to a place in Zambia to preach and and uh, I was uh, I checked into there was a little motel the only motel in town and the guy managing it he saw me and he smiled and he was so happy I was he, I was there he said pastor I gave my life to Jesus in your crusade when I was 10 years of age and now I was there like 20, 25 years ago. He was now 32, 34, managing this motel. But someone had taken care, care of him. He was in a church. He had discipled him. It was great to see that for me. He had been saved at the age of 10, and now he was serving God. He was in a church. But praise God, somebody had discipled him. But what happens is that when you go to a place like that, you normally see uh, because of the low life ex expectancy, a lot of people have died and there's children who have grown up and then there's urbanization people leave the villages go to the cities and all that there's shift in population so that's when the lord told me it is not enough to uh, go to a place and preach the gospel and say well this place has been reached by the gospel it is not places it is the people who live there so if you go to a town and preach the gospel there it's not enough you must reach the next generation who of people who's going to live there and the next generation and the next generation. So that is why I've seen in Africa, it is not enough for me to go to a township and say, well, I have preached the gospel there. This place has been reached. No, I have to go back there again after 10 years or eight years or whatever, because when I go there, I'll find out that large, the vast majority of those people are new who have never heard the gospel. So it's not just a place, but is every generation has to be reached with the gospel. So my point is this, the evangelist must reach the lost. And so you see Jesus went to Samaria and preached the gospel. And there was great joy in the, in the city because there were, there were miracles and people got saved and everybody believed in him. Yet 10 years later, when Philip the evangelist was there, that place was spiritually barren. There was a whole new generation of people who hadn't heard of Jesus. In fact, there was a man called Simon the sorcerer who seemed to be holding a spiritual sway over that place. So Philip came and preached the gospel to Samaria one more time. And that is why, beloved, for us who preach the gospel, the task is never finished. We must go on and come back and come back and come back and come back and be back again and again to break the chains because people are dying and there's new babies being born and there's new people there. There's a turnaround in the population and every man, woman and child, every generation must be reached with the gospel. Hallelujah. Well, let's stop here and I will continue talking to you about the ministry of the evangelists. And let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Bless them, touch them, use them for your glory. Lord Jesus, be glorified and be honored and magnified in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you and we'll see you tomorrow.